I want to take a minute and talk about Shop Boss. It's the ultimate solution for automotive shop management. It's built by industry experts with real-world experience. In fact, the founder was a former shop owner himself. Now, Shop Boss is designed to be user-friendly, making it easy to set up, learn, and teach your team with Boss Pay, powered by 360 Payments. Enjoy integrated payments with digital signature capture, text-to-text pay, PayPal, and Venmo options, consumer financing, and now surcharging, all seamlessly integrated into Shop Boss. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing separate sets of books. Everything you need is built right in. But that's not all. ShopBoss also offers built-in DVI functionality, eliminating need for third-party solutions. See how they can simplify your auto shop at shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. Shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. That's shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. That way I don't forget to push record like I always do. Oh yeah, I totally get it. Totally. <laughs> I haven't get done it. a remote. I haven't done a remote one, so I don't know. Oh, okay. This is like the ZenCaster and all this is like it's all new to me. Yeah, this is all I've done. So. Uh, oh really? It, I've been dr- yeah. I've been dreading it. I'm like I got a P4 <laughs> and I'm like I just bring everybody in. Oh uh, okay. I don't know. Everyone gets all nervous. I keep talking to all my everyone around here and they don't want anything to do with it. People are funny, man. Like I, I yeah. tell people all the time about video. I'm like, you just kind of get used to it, and I don't know. It's it's not that big of a deal. So yeah, they're like, what am I gonna say? Like, you don't say anything if you don't want to. Like, I think just you know what conversation that I mean that's that's gonna go. I think later on here we'll talk like about people listening and like wanting help and then not wanting to like do what they need to do. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'll see shop owners all the time complain about, you know, the cost of this and the cost of that, but they won't do something like free social media marketing. Like you don't have to pay anything to do video or any sort of social media. And right. it's like, it, it can all be free, but they just want to complain sometimes. And that's frustrating. So. Yeah. I guess, I guess we got to start talking about, um, um, wiping our parents' behinds, right? <laughs> does that take you back <laughs> yes it does uh, uh, i don't know what happened there i was like are we gonna are we gonna listen to anything like of substance here like david where are you going with this thing right now <laughs> i don't know how he derails so many like i i listened to the that podcast i just so recorded long. with him i know i'm like what are we talking about come on get back on topic <laughs> I guess it is. I mean, for me, it, it, when we're talking about marriage and stuff, it's like, because my wife runs the office. Oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, we, we're married and she runs the office. We got another service advisor with her. So, it works out. It works for yeah. us, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, I guess, so when you talk about marriage, you're married to your shop and it's like, might as well have your wife in the front, too. Yeah. <laughs> might as well. I, if it works. I mean, my wife helps me with stuff around the shop. I mean, she is an employee, but it's usually like behind the scenes stuff. She doesn't work like out in the shop with me. She's doing a well, lot Matt, of Well, Matt, how, how do you stuff. do everything yourself? You know, there's no way. It's uh, hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you didn't even have like the little bit of help, you know, it's like just one yeah. more thing you got to deal with or That's manage. True. I don't know. Yeah. It's just a lot to deal with. It is. It is. I tell people to prepare themselves when they want to start a shop. I'm like, it's a lot more than you could ever imagine. Like you think, you know, and you have no clue. Yeah. I mean, let's get into that. Cause that's, I think everyone's got a different path and that's like the reason I even started doing these podcasts is hearing how people got to where they are. I, in a sense, kind of fell into it in a way, I guess. I don't know. I, I just didn't see any other option. I was so close minded. I was like, I have to do this and this is the only way. I grew up in okay. a really kind of ran down shop, not really, really well managed. 
Um, and I was like, I can, I know I can take this place and make it better. And then it became like, I have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I have to take this shop and like make it better now. And there's no other option for me. I never worked at the dealer dealership. It was always just, uh, I guess, I mean, a grease monkey is what you could call it. We were as close to that as you possibly, you walk in the shop, there's rags all over the floor. You know, it's like you rack up a car and do something and then you, you pull it back out and then it's like, Oh, Hey, did you check this? It's like, Oh my God, really? Two or three times a day you'd be dealing with Ugh. this. Like, there's gotta be a better way, man. Like this is crazy. And yeah, I did that, that would drive me nuts. And I didn't think there was any other option. I was like, this is just how all shops are. This is just how all mechanics are. And I thought we were, I thought we were the best too. Cause we were like, you know, we were just, so motivated and it was like oh we're trying our hardest so that means we're the best <laughs> right yeah that's hilarious yeah i mean that's a lot different than me i i started well i actually went to uti and then after graduating from uti i couldn't find a job anywhere um no one wanted to hire me because i didn't have any experience so i was making more money working for um a hotel and then I transferred to another job after the hotel and worked there and was making really good money. And then all the shops wanted to hire me for next to nothing. And I was like, I just paid 30 grand to go to school and you guys want to start me off at this. And I'm making almost double that working for a hotel. Yeah, I think not. So, um, I did eventually find a job. I went to Napa and then that led me to the job, my first independent shop that I worked at. And, um, but it was nothing like that. Like it wasn't a clean shop, but it also wasn't like he was very, very picky and like things a certain way. And so I didn't really work at any like really trashy shops. I worked at one a short period of time, but I wouldn't say it was trashy. It wasn't like super clean or anything. Um, but the, I don't know, at, the, at the time it's like, if you don't know the difference. Yeah. Like, like if you don't know, you don't know. I mean, and you just, some, you some just people assume don't. like, yeah, you work in a, in a, in a kitchen and there's like, you know, knives being left around and they just wipe the countertops and they've never cleaned the stove or the, the hood, you know, it's like, well, this is, right. what, this is what they do. And then the a, a county inspector comes in and they're like, when's the last time you cleaned that hood? It's like, why do we clean that? I've never been told, <laughs> you know, like you just don't know. Right. You're so yeah. ignorant. And it's like, and then you're just set in your way and I can just yep. see that manufacturing for 15 or 20 years and you get these old burnout you know, shop owners that are text to shop owners and that's their mindset. Like, why do I need to do that? Why do I, why do I need to do that? I haven't done that in 20 years and it hasn't made a difference to me. Yep. So it's just, it's amazing how it, the, the, the divide, you know, and then yep. clients go to these shops and they see them ran like that. Then they get that impression. This is how all yep. shops are. They're dirty. Yep. They're greasy. They just throw parts at till the problem's fixed and then, and then see ya. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said that a bunch, like customers a lot of time think it's normal for a shop to throw multiple parts on a car and then they couldn't figure it out. And they think that's normal. Like I've gotten several clients that way where they're like, Oh, well they tried this and that and it didn't fix the problem. So they said they couldn't fix it. So they told me to take it somewhere else and like totally fine with it. I'm like that. And I'm like, you know, that's not normal, right? <laughs> well, they tried really hard though. And yeah, they're such a nice guy. And then they give me a big discount. So that's really nice. Like, the, yeah. did, what? <laughs> Everything you yep. just said. What are you talking about? Like yep. the discount, it shouldn't even be a price because they didn't fix the problem. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. That's exactly true. Yeah. It's, and, it's and you're, crazy. You're, you're probably deal with the same stuff I do. I get a lot of referrals from other shops in the area and it's the same situation. Well, I've already spent $500. Like, is it really going to be another six? It's like, 
well, the, that has nothing to do with me. I know like right. they referred you to me, but that ain't got nothing to do with my bill. You yep. can go talk to them about getting your money back if you want. No, I don't want to do that. They're just such a nice guy. And they tried really <laughs> hard. And it's like, that's the same mentality though we have when we start shops though. Like if you just work really hard, you take everything in, you're going to be successful. Just be the best guy. And your specialty in Honda, right? Yeah. Yep. From what I picked up. Okay. Yep. So I guess we have- Honda's. Yeah, I guess we kind of have that in, in, in a similar sense where I specialize in transmissions. So oh, it's, okay, cool. I, I mean, and I don't know if I call it a specialty so much anymore as more of a marketing ploy. It's what I grew up doing and it's like, but do I sit back and rebuild transmissions anymore? No, I, there's no money in it, you know? Yeah. But that specialty aspect of it is uh, that that's what brings in is like, okay, if you're the Honda specialist, that's where you're going to get a lot of the Hondas and get the repeat stuff going on. Right. You know, um, I don't know if it makes it, if it's makes it easier or harder <laughs> for me, I feel like it helps me like, because I, I do really well as far as numbers for the size of my shop and I'm, it's a one bay shop with 10 and a half foot ceiling. So it's, it's a small shop and, um, I've been able to do well, but that's because of the efficiency factor of it. And I've always just been really efficient as far as I was flat rate for a really long time. I averaged a lot of hours when I was at the dealership. So um, it's kind of been a strong suit of mine. So I feel like it helps me, but you do get those cars like a lot where, Hey, I've taken this to all the Honda dealerships in the area and they've couldn't, they couldn't figure it out. So someone referred me to you. So then you're taking on some of those problems that, you know, nobody else in the area, but Usually they're not. I got that too. (laughs) Yeah. It's not too bad most of the time because it's Hondas, right? Like they don't have, they don't get a lot of those like wild, crazy issues most of the time. I shouldn't say never, but most of the time they don't get too crazy like some of these other manufacturers. So they do, they still break. They just don't break like some of them do. Well, and you probably got to the point where you see certain stuff and you've you've got a pretty good grasp on the next test you need to perform to say, to condemn whatever the part is, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's the same same with transmissions. It's like if if the transmission doesn't go in a driver reverse, it it needs to come out. You know, there's not like, there's not a shift solenoid or, and I'm sure (laughs) if you're doing Hondas, you know, the Honda automatic transmissions is like, yeah, yeah. it's probably junk. (laughs) Yeah. A 1998 Honda Accord and it's, and it's revving up in third gear. It's probably garbage. (laughs) Yep. And it's probably its third (laughs) transmission. Yeah. Yeah. So on on that aspect, it makes it easy, but it's the same thing where people see transmission shop and other shops, even if it's got a transmission code, it's coming here. They just say, Oh, I don't want to deal with it. And they'll throw a couple shift solenoids in it. Like, oh, well, we can try this. I don't know if it's going to fix your problem. And then they, so then the client's spending $600 for shift solenoids. And it's like, how do you take that in and tell the client, like, they like, they didn't rip you off, but they ripped you off. Like, yeah, there's no reason in the world. Once they dropped the pen and saw the amount of materials in there that anyone should have been putting shift solenoids in it, let alone a qualified shop, you know? And it's like, well, yeah. well they, they were just trying, you know, they tried their best. And, and they told me that it might not fix it. It's like, that's the standard? And now you're here <laughs> mad at me because you already spent all this money? Like, I don't know. It, I, it's I think, wild, man. Yeah, it is. My that's brother big, has a, a Tundra and the dealership told him he needed a transmission. And I was just like, I had test driven it and I'm no, I'm no expert in transmissions whatsoever. Um, never had a desire. So I was like, but after looking at it and looking at the codes uh, and following the flow chart, I was like, man, I said, I really think this is solenoids. And I said, 
I would just take it to an actual transmission shop. And I said, you need an actual diagnosis. I said, I promise you the dealership did not diagnose it. They just told you you need a transmission. So he took it to a transmission shop and that's what it ended up being. One of the solenoids was bad in the valve body. And, um, it was like the, the dealership, I think quoted him like six grand for a new transmission, which this has been a while ago. So that back nowadays, that sounds cheap to me, uh, yeah, but that's true. he, uh, he took it to the other place. It was like 600 bucks to replace the solenoids and come to find out the, the truck had already had, this would have been the third transmission in it. And it's a 2010 Tundra. It's not like yeah. they're got transmissions going bad on them left and right. And so just, it was a weird, the whole thing was weird. So I don't know what the first two transmissions were for, have no idea. And this would have been the third. And I'm like, I, I'm like, dude, just go get it diagnosed. It, yeah. Sure those ones have wrong. a, those ones have a flash for the PCM too. And they do oh, okay. weird stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've dealt with the AB60E might be the 750, but either way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing though. You get the same one with misfires too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's misfiring a transmission slipping. Like yeah. I'm sure how many times you've heard that, right? And so then it then it comes from another shop and they're like, Oh, they said it has a transmission problem. It's like this thing's misfiring. You go to the misfire counters, like it's right there. Like, look, you can see yep. it. It's like telling you, like, okay. Well, they told me it needed a transmission. That's why they sent me here. Like, no, you need a set of spark plugs and some coils and call it a day. <laughs> That's why I had a guy recently, a great customer of mine. He was like, Hey, my transmission stopped shifting, this, that, and the other. And then I was like, well, we need to diagnose it. I'm like, he wanted me to price out a transmission. And I'm like, dude, I said, there's no point in me try, di- or pricing out a transmission. We need to diagnose it. So he just kept pushing it. I'm like, well, listen, it's not going to be worth it for me to do it. I said, take it to, it was a 06 TL. And I'm like, there's a good local transmission rebuilder here. I'm like, take it to them. You'll get a good warranty with it. They'll rebuild it. It's going to be way cheaper than me putting a uh, reman in it. Like, I don't like turning away work, but it's an 06 TL, right? With over 200,000 miles on it, like a good car, but not worth, you know, probably six, $7,000 in a reman. So right. he takes it to the other shop and he's like, oh, great news. It didn't need a transmission. It just needed an alternator. And I'm like, this is why I told you to bring it for a diagnosis. <laughs> like, I, come on. Like, it's just yeah. so frustrating to me. So, yeah. Then you turned away gravy work. Yep. Because they exactly just won't right. listen to you. Yep. And he's and, a great yeah. customer too. It just it's, it happens sometimes. Like he's been yeah. a fantastic client, and so it it is what it is. You just learn from it and move on. Yeah, well, I couldn't imagine running the show like you do, and then being able to manage that many clients and not be somewhat short with them. You know, like yeah, you got to turn some stuff away because that's that's the name of the game. I mean, yeah, you have to. You can't take everything in. And, uh, yeah, I don't take big jobs. It's pretty rare for me. Like, unless it's on a Honda, I don't do any sort of like large. I I turn down like uh, EcoBoost and five four timing chains almost couple of month um, because I get those calls constantly, and I'm like, no, I have no interest. No, thank you. I get yeah, tied yeah, up yeah. my bay forever. The ceilings are short, so lifting them things up and down is already difficult as it is. I'm like not worth it. <laughs> I got plenty of other you got, you got work. Yeah. Yep. So it's just not worth it. I got a classic car division and it's one of the things I have a hard time m- managing and keeping, I guess mm-hmm. to be blunt about it. It's, um, it's tough because sometimes it's easy to do disc brake conversion on a 65 Mustang. Oh, yeah. It's easy money. Easy, you know? And, uh, and then it just goes on from there and there and there. I just did an LS swap on a 65 Pontiac uh, Tempest. 
And it's like, I'm not doing that again. I don't even know how I, like a year later, like, how did I, how did I end up doing this? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like, this is not what I should be doing. Right. And so the slope is just like, damn it, steep. It just, all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'll do it. And this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden you're doing this full on, uh, restoration on this car like hey can you throw carpet in it too because i was putting a floor shifter in it like oh yeah i can do carpet i might as well have everything out and wait a second here so yeah it's why do i why am i doing this when i got lined up you know easy gravy work out in the parking lot you know so the classic cars and i know a lot of people are against it like uh, nothing nothing older than you know 1990 even and uh so I don't know. It's, Shoot, it's that's tough. even too old for me. I'm, I'm yeah. 20 years. I don't do anything over 20 years unless it's a really good client. I have like two or three that are older than 20 what, years. So what's your what's your thought process behind it and how do you kind of hold your line? Because that's that's tough for me. It's especially when it's a good client and it's it's like and you and you're you're a talented individual. You could take that car on, you could fix it, you could make yeah. money on it, right? So yeah. how do you talk yourself out of that? Uh, I just know that there's other work. So I always explain things, especially to new shop owners, because we can um, trick ourselves into thinking all money is good money. Yeah, that's very true. So the thing is, is you think just because you have that revenue coming in, that it's good money, but you're taking the place of someone else that has a vehicle that fits into your policies that's willing to pay you the same money, but you're more efficient. You can find parts. You're not trying to search around all over the place. You're, it's not as rusty. It's not as beat up. It's not as old. So there's a better car to be in its spot and you're taking that place up for that better car or that client. Now, if it's a good client, like I said, I will work on it, but I explain to them that exact situation. I explain that, you know, parts are harder to find. It's an older vehicle, so they can be more difficult. It's going to cost you more money. Um, and I'm going to need time with it. It's not, I'm not just going to fill it in like every other car because I try to turn them around same day. It doesn't always work, but most cars I finish same day. And, um, so I just, I just give them clear expectations up front and it's worked out really well for me. So I, I've gotten really good at saying no. And I feel like in the beginning stages, especially as a one person shop owner, you have to be able to say no, because if not, you want to try to be everybody's hero and you just can't, it ends up, that's how I started the business off. And I was doing a horrible job and you know, you're trying to ramsack every single car you can get through the door because you think you need, you know, car count and it's rarely ever car count. It's usually you're not charging appropriately and having good parts margins and all of those things. So, which is why you'll hear me preach that stuff till the day I die, because it's what I didn't know early on in the business. And it's what I learned. It's what changed my business and turned it around. So, and that's, that's another good point to bring up too, is like, for me looking from, I guess you call myself a tech to owner. I was always looking for the silver bullet. Mm -hmm. I was looking for gold nuggets. I was looking for like, how do I fix this? You know, and you start yep. listening to all the podcasts, you start listening to everything, uh, following all the people online. And, um, I mean, that, that was my, my journey. Like you just start like, and as soon as you start hearing something that makes sense. And I guess for me, I've started on the wrong side of it. So I knew that everything that was wrong, <laughs> so yeah. like, as long yeah. as I don't keep doing it that way, it's got to get better. And then mm-hmm. you start hearing people say things as like, that's the opposite of what is being conducted in the shop. Like, that's what I need to be doing. That makes yep. sense. So it was such an easy buy-in for me to like start following these paths, like Cecil with the Institute, like that 
I like what they're talking about. Like you don't have to sell me. I already understand that. What was like, was there like a silver bullet that you ever found or like, how did that process start going for you as long along the way for like going from a tech to an owner? It wasn't a silver bullet. I mean, I was running everything completely wrong in the beginning. The one thing I was doing well, which I feel like most, almost all, if not all technicians do well, is I was taking care of the client and fixing cars. But as far as the business side of things, I mean, I was literally doing everything wrong, essentially. And um, I was following Cody Gaddy on YouTube, and he was on the ASOG podcast that's how I got connected with everything. Cause I had no idea any of this stuff existed. I had that's no idea. True. ASOG yeah. existed. I had no idea there was a bunch of shop owners online. I had no idea that there was training events, nothing. I was literally in my own little world, just, you know, the, the shops and the dealerships that I worked at and the people that I knew that was like my world didn't even ever think of anything outside of that. I hear that. But what I found is I started trying to understand the numbers. I didn't understand them, but I at least started looking at them because I'm like, well, I need to figure out like how much money do I need to make? How much are my bills? You know, where do we need to go? Because my aspirations have always been from the very beginning that I want to grow the shop and get to the point where I don't have to be here every day. Like I still want to be involved. But if I want to go take a vacation, I don't want the business solely rely on, on me because obviously if I take a vacation, there's no revenue coming in. So that's always been my goal. So I was digging into my numbers and I realized like I had a conversation with my wife. I'm like, what we're charging now and what we're making will never be able to hire anybody and not pay them well. Like that I knew from the beginning going from tech to owner and it was all fresh for me. I wanted to pay techs well, because I felt that I always deserved to be paid well, because I was making the companies really good money. And I, at that time, I didn't understand all the costs associated with being a shop owner. So, you know, you, you know, normal tech, like, oh, especially the whole conversation about like half, it's, that's stupid and absurd. <laughs> well, it, so- it sounds good when you're on the other side. Yeah, when it, you're on it? the other side, it sounds great. But when you become a business owner, not even just a shop owner, but a business owner in general, you start to see all the costs associated and you understand why. But all that being said, I knew I could still pay techs well. I just had to change some things and start turning that around. And then so once I found the ASAW group, and then went to ASTE was when it really started changing for me. Um, and then I won the scholarship for vision. And uh, I was so when I went to ASTE, I took some tech classes, which was a mistake for me. I should have just taken all. Oh, I did the same classes. thing. Yeah. It, it, Not a vision, funny? but like, but but at Apex, I was like, okay. I'm gonna be the best. I'm gonna be the best. And I did ATRA. So I was like, I'm gonna be the best transmission builder. <laughs> and if I build the best transmissions, like everybody will come to me. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was at AST and I was introduced to Rick White. And so I was talking to him. He's like, are you coming to my service advisor class? And I was like, no, I'm signed up for some sort of tech class. And he was like, I encourage you to come to my class. And he's like, just just check it out and see if you like it. So I went to his class and loved it and learned in a massive amount. And so that's kind of what started getting the ball rolling was after taking his class. Uh that kind of got my, you know, my wheels turning. And then when I won the vision scholarship, uh, that, you know, you have to take all, uh, 
management training, which was the best thing ever for me because I didn't realize all of these management trainings were there. I was so focused on the tech training when I went to ASTE that I didn't even look at half the management training. So then once I took the management training, that was when everything flipped for me and I started uh, changing a ton of stuff. And we were able to double our gross revenue from year one to year three, uh, which has been fantastic. And the business has been growing since the beginning. We started a, a month before COVID. So February of 2020. That's when we started and we've grown since day that's one. Awesome. So that's been fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, yeah. But I don't attribute it, uh, a lot of that to myself uh, besides the, the grit and the hard work uh, as far as learning all this stuff has been, you know, listening and learning from everyone else. So, yeah, I think it's a lot of, a lot of little things that mm-hmm. slowly, slowly for me, very slowly add up over time. Um, it is time management. Been, yeah. Like a lot of people don't know time management makes such a big difference, especially if you're a small shop. It's, it's so pivotal. I mean, obviously it's important for bigger shops, but you have more manpower for small shops. Time management's huge. And so like when I first heard that I shouldn't be scheduling cars in the afternoon and I should schedule all my cars in the morning, like it just, it made so much sense. I was like mind boggled of why I hadn't done that before because I was scheduling cars in the morning and then having cars scheduled in the middle of the day and then late in the day. So I'd have to pull cars in and out constantly and you're juggling Mm -hmm. and trying, okay, well, I can't start this job because I have this appointment coming in. So you'd stand around for 45 minutes waiting for your next appointment because you knew you couldn't finish the job on the lift because you only have one lift. So it was just horrible. So once I started changing some of that stuff and now all of my cars are 99% of my customers are drop off. They all drop off night before or morning of. And so I do everything in the morning as far as inspections, get the estimates sent over uh, before lunch, like early more or late morning, I guess. And then by lunchtime, I have most of my approvals back and I can start ordering parts and get the jobs done. Um, yeah. And in the early stages, it wasn't like that, right? I was just all over the place. It was terrible. Yeah, I couldn't imagine doing an appointment like by appointment like that and wait, waiting for something to come in in the afternoon. That's... <sighs> That, so bad. that sounds that sounds so terrible. Well, I was I accommodating start, the customer, right? Like that's what yeah. I thought in my mind. Like, oh, you know that you know I got to do what's convenient for them. Like letting them, and they don't know. Like they they're just setting times. Like right. if you if you give them the opportunity, they're going to do what's ever most convenient for their schedule, and they're not doing it on purpose. Like you know, against you, they're just like, oh yeah, this is what's best for me. Um, but, in your mind, you're giving them a bunch of quality because that's something yeah. the dealer would never do. The yep. dealer wouldn't do this, so I'm going to do it, and I'll be better than the dealer, right? <laughs> oh, shoot. Yep. So you think yeah. you're doing what's best for them, and and it's not. It's actually worse because you're not providing as good of quality of service. So, Right. The cl- client before now has to wait till the next day because you didn't get it finished. Now you got to wait for the next guy. It's like, oh, what a fiasco. I did, oh, yeah. I did smogs like right out of high school, got my smog license. And again, that was probably one of the things that converted me to doing it a different way because having 30 smogs come in a day was like horrendous. I just never wanted that many people in a waiting room that I was a part of ever again. <laughs> like, that no more terrible. Wait, like no more waiting like day like this is like 2015. I'm like, I, if I ever ran a shop, I would never have a waiting room. I'm not going to like... I love and not having this, a waiting room. And to this day, I have two chairs. It's like, and that's just for waiting for your ride. You know, like yep. when we're redesigning our office in our waiting room, it was like, no, we're not having a wait. We're going to have a big desk, <laughs> you know, and we're not going to have a waiting room because it just, just doesn't work. And then the yeah. clients that come in that wait, 
they end up not working out for you anyway. Because if you're doing a good inspection, there shouldn't mm-hmm. be the car should be waiting till the next day anyway, yep. or, or they're going to pick it up and bring it back. So yep. either way, there should not be a bunch of repairs done, you know, by the end of the day. I know you probably run it a little differently, but that's just how we run and how I, in my mind, if it comes in, it's either staying till the next day or they're going to be picking it up before noon to reschedule for the amount of stuff that we found. Yeah. Like that's the only yeah, way. I mean, that's what I tell people work. why they can't wait. I'm like, you know, I do an inspection. If I find stuff, you know, you can't, you're not going to want to wait around, especially if it's safety or any of that, you know, the drill. And so. Yeah, I use that as my pitch to new customers and stuff that want to wait. And I'm like, I just explain all those things and kind of go into it. I'm just like, it's best if you don't give me time with the vehicle. I can do a better job, all that. And um, it works. Like I convert a lot of new clients that way, which is good. Not all of them. I mean, not as many as I would like, but I'm getting better and better. The more service advisor training I take helps me. And then obviously the more practice I take or the practice I get uh, talking to customers and working through it and stuff helps as well. And what's your plan for moving forward with like, are you, I know some, some guys like the, to kind of run it and not have to worry about employees, worry about techs. Is that kind of where you're at? No, I want, I want the people problems as they say. So I, I would rather manage people than manage the problems I manage now. Um, And I know that's not the norm, but I've always like enjoyed people. My wife and I have always helped out with the youth at our church. Um, I've always been drawn to leadership and such. So for me, like, yes, I know it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying like, you know, it's going to be a walk in the park, but I'm looking forward to those. No, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the page with you for sure. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's kind of my mindset as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're good at it and I feel like anybody can eventually be good at it as long as they're open-minded enough to admit that they're not, they don't know everything. Um, and you're willing to grow and become a better leader, be a better delegator, all of those things. It, it will help create a good culture. It'll help be able to again, delegate and lead those people, which in turn is better for them. And it's better for you puts a good structure in place. Obviously this is me talking from not, I mean, I've been manager at other businesses, but they weren't mine. So I've had, well, you're, you're, you're wearing so many hats that you're managing yourself. I mean, (laughs) you know, like you have this job you got to go do, and then you got to go do this job and then you got to go fix the car. And then you got to be like, okay, don't be frustrated. Cause then if the car frustrates you, you can't let that translate over to the client. You know? Oh yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and so you got to put that phone. other hat on like repair went fantastic. Meanwhile, there's, <laughs> you know, you're like hands are bleeding and like all your tools are scattered everywhere. Cause it just kicked your ass. You're like, ah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I used to be so bad at that. I would answer the phone so frustrated. So right. in one of the training classes, they talked about that and I, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Never, ever even dawned on me. And when they said that it was like a brick, I got smacked in the face with a brick or something like oh my gosh, this is 100% me. So now I have to, I trick myself into thinking every customer on the other end of the phone is a Honda. So, cause I just, I still am passionate about Hondas. I always have been from the beginning. I love working on them still. I still love working on cars. Um, I don't want to do it forever. Like as far as being the bay and, and wrenching all the time, but I have a feeling like even as I hire employees and stuff, I'll still come out and wrench every now and again and stuff just kind of here and there just to kind of get my hands dirty every now and again. Yeah. You um, won't be able to stay away from it. 
Yeah, it, I, not, I, and not, not because they need you, but because you won't be able to stay away from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I figure. I hear that a lot. Sitting in your office, like I gotta go freaking do something right now. Yes. I'm gonna yes. lose my mind. <laughs> Very much so. That's yeah, how so that's how we like express ourselves. We get out there, and that's how we mm-hmm. de-stress. You take yep. something apart and put it together. Like, oh, I feel so much better now. <laughs> Absolutely love it, man. There's, no, I tell people, there's nothing like taking a car that comes in or anything for that matter, taking it apart fixing it all up and getting it back running again. Like I have, I bought this lawnmower and it's been just like a fun, I bought it to flip and it's turned into like a personal fun project. Like I tore it all down, cleaned it all up. Like I'm like, it's like an old John Deere. And I was like, I was going to sell it. And now I want to keep it because it's been a fun project and I haven't done anything like that. I'm like, man, this thing's really nice. Like there's just nothing like that to me. There's nothing like that feeling of the, the, uh, benefit of fixing something and, and driving yeah, it sense, and using sense of it. purpose. Yeah. Yes. Sense of purpose. Yeah. Bringing life back to something. Yes. You know, and, in, and of course in, in your mind, you're like, no one else can do this, but me. Yep. You know, <laughs> yep. I'm the hero today. <laughs> yeah. They're going to throw this thing out. And even though it's all, even though I could have bought a new one for 2,500 bucks and I got five <laughs> grand into it, it's way better than any new one out there. <laughs> so true. So yeah, true. I, I, I do it too much. It was one big start for me is, is uh, when I was, you know, trying to get money to buy the shop out, I was flipping cars and we all do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was a big part of my early years was buying something cheap and then fixing it and reselling it. And, uh, I tried to take that and convert that into the shop and there's just no way. Like, yeah, it's like a dollar for hour is like, Oh my God, I didn't realize how much I was like, you know, like how much time and oh, if yeah. I try to buy a car and then use shop time to fix it, to resell is like, I wouldn't even break even, but of course, when you're doing it cash and you're doing it on the side and you're just, you know, it it, it definitely helped put a little money in the, in the bank account at the time. But man, it's like looking back, it's like, that was hard money earned, but it was so rewarding that I didn't even look at it that way. You know what I mean? And I I think that's maybe a lot of guys get into a shop and that's where they get to. They just like so enamored by fixing stuff that they don't look at the business side of it. And then two years down the road, you're like, why am I in debt right now? (laughs) I've been doing such a good job. I really enjoy what I'm doing. But without that business sense, it's like you never get out of that hole. And sometimes you get too deep. You can't dig yourself out. It can get bad. I think that coupled with, you know, the fear of not having some sort of money come in, like even to this day, like when I have slowness and it, and it always picks back up every single time. It's not like it, like for some apparent reason, we trick ourselves into thinking like, oh, you have a slow day. All of your customers decided to go somewhere else. Like, I don't know why that <laughs> is. You yes. Like, and I talk to so many owners that, that think that, and it's like, that's not like, I have to constantly remind myself because I don't do well at all when it's slow, like at all. Like I have to force myself to stay in a good mood. I have to think positive because if not, I'll go into the house doom and gloom at the end of the day because I'm just not, I've got to be busy. I'm a busy body. It's probably why I started doing social media because apparently I wasn't busy enough running the shop. So I needed something else apparently, but, um, that that's what happens is we trick ourselves into thinking it's going to get slow and, or it's, you know, everybody leaves or whatever. And so we have that fear-based mentality. And so we just, we want to just constantly have something to do. So we try to be everybody's hero and then we make bad decisions because we're basing them off of fear, making 
any decision based off emotion That's a great is point. not a yeah. good it's not a good thing to do. You don't want to make decisions based off of emotions. For sure, especially in business. Like it's a it has to be black and white and it's some people are not good at that. Is really all there is to it. Yeah, everybody hates me now. I shouldn't have upped my labor rate. I knew it. Everybody <laughs> knows now. Everyone's yep. got like, yeah, yeah. You just, yeah. Once you start All thinking those of it, thoughts, too, man. Yeah, like, yeah. It, and it and it just goes down this rabbit hole. It's just, it's not a good thing. It's not a good my, place to be. But that's good. I was gonna say, my my wife calls me negative Nancy all the time because I do the same exact thing. <laughs> on the ride home, I'll be talking. On the ride home, we'll be talking. And I'm like, I knew that you know, so and so did this, and I can't believe it. Now they like, and I, yeah. And I'm not like serious about it, but just the fact that I'm saying it is already bad enough, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's surface level kind of being negative about it. But at the same point, it's like, yeah, it doesn't need to be brought up at all, you know? But it just yeah. proves that the thought is there. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's like one of those things, like I, it helps now that I'm connected with a lot more shop owners because like, I'll text them and be like, Hey, how, you know, are you busy? Are you slow? And they're like, Oh, I'm super dead. And I'm like, Oh, so am I like, okay, it's not just me. Like, <laughs> it's not just my shop. <laughs> it's back to school season. Of course it's slow. <laughs> like that. And then so you, the got, shops nice, you are, got nice friends. <laughs> yeah. All the, all the shops that are like very busy around me are always like the dirt cheap shops charging next to nothing. You oh, know, you know exactly who the dirt. Yeah. You know who the cheap uh-huh. ones are. They're yeah. doing backyard mechanic work. Like th- they're mm-hmm. the ones that I get when they screw it up, they're bringing it to me. So uh, there's a lot of those places that are busy constantly. They never slow them booked out four or five weeks in a row, like never, ever any sooner than that. So yeah, it, it, you just gotta be careful and don't stay there long. Like I, there's been moments throughout this process of business ownership where I was in like really bad places mentally and I've gotten better. I talk about this a lot on social media because it's actually a common question I get is like, what do you do when you're, you know, in a toxic place or when your mindset's bad or you're having a bad day or whatever. And it's like, you have to force yourself out of it. First of all, you got to listen to positive stuff. You got to like what you read, what you listen to, all that stuff makes a huge difference. We just don't realize it when we're in that moment. And so we're taking in all this garbage that we think, you know, is not garbage. And then we're also having like slow times at work or you're stressed out about the business or whatever. And then so all that stuff compiles and then it's a day turns into a week, turns into a month and then another month. And so you have to just self-talk yourself out of it and realize, okay, first of all, let me stop listening to this because it's trash let me start doing this because here's some positivity. Let me start talking to some positive people. And then you eventually get better at it and you don't stay in that place as long because you realize like, oh crap, I'm kind of in a slump. I need to fix this. I need to do something about it. And uh, I think a lot of people get there and stay there. That's why you see a lot of these like really like angry shop owners that have been doing it for 20, 30 years. And they just, hate everything, hate life, hate everything. And they've never gotten out of that like negative mindset. And why we all, we all have someone that we can relate to about that. That's so strange. You know, mm-hmm. no matter who you talk to, we all know that angry smoking a cigarette. What do you need? <laughs> right. Answer the yep. phone. Just like you're talking about like, yeah. Or even if they answer the phone, you can't even get them yep. on the damn phone, you know? And like you finally do. And it's like, you're inconveniencing them. It's like, sorry. Like, <laughs> You could just say you could just say no. Like, how did you get to that point? And I, I just, I know what you mean when you get into that rut, and then before you know it, you're answering the phone like that, and you don't even realize it. So that's the, that's the, the, the scary one video. Part. 
Yeah, the one video I remember watching about that was laugh. Like, so before I answer the phone, I just make myself laugh and then I answer the phone. Just like a real, just a real quick little, like just a little chuckle and then pick up the phone. Hey, you know, shifting gears is Jimmy. And it's like, it just changes the whole, whole tenure of the, of the conversation. Um, and it it just, it's like those little tidbits is like crazy stuff that you don't even think. And just like you said, getting in that rut and being negative and and then you're just sitting in the office or or you're working on a car and your mind's spinning, you know, and maybe that's why we like working on cars because it's our little, you know, we're not even thinking about what we're doing. We're in our mind, you know, we're, we're going through some other heavy stuff while we're doing that. And yep. it's so easy to get into that negative rut, you know? It is. As you're it, doing that and you're alone. You're basically alone for 10 hours. And and like you said, the scary, the scariest part is you don't know it. Like you don't know you're in it in, or in that place. And unless you have someone close to you in your life that is honest with you enough to tell you, like you, you can stay there forever. And like, that's why it's good to have great people around you. It makes the world of a difference for sure. And as yeah, long as I you mean, listen to them, that, well, that's the key too. You got to be uh, like, I, it's funny because I've always felt as though I'm like a pretty open-minded person. And then I read the book extreme ownership and it was like a slap across the face. And, uh, if you've never read it, I highly recommend it. it it's such a good book. And it basically talks about you taking responsibility for literally everything in your life, not just like your business and whatnot. And he parallels like a lot of corporations that they've helped with the book and what he's teaching. So it's really good, uh, stories that go along with it, but like literally everything else in your life, because we can get into a mindset of complaining, not just about the business, but everything else out in the world. And it, it basically just trickles into this like big hole. Like you said, the guy that smoking a cigarette, he's angry about everything. Like not just yeah. you calling him, but you know, he's right. angry that the, the, the car's leaking oil on his driveway and you know, the, the uh, electric bills do and the gas went up and like all this crazy stuff. And it's like, man, life is short. A bunch of stuff fun. that he has no control over. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. And, and on that, on that, I, I think I know that book, I think, cause it, it rang a bell for me and it was everything that's negative in your life. You can point a finger at yourself about mm-hmm. it was something along those lines, like everything that's going on that's wrong in your life. You can blame yourself for, you can 100% find a way of blaming yourself for everything that has gone wrong. So before you blame anybody else, blame yourself first. And I, I don't know if that was in that book or, but it was definitely something that I read. And it was, is like, that was an eye opening one for me is like, everything is my fault. And it wasn't like trying to like blame myself. It was yeah. just, just look inward. Like, what did you do to get to this position? And like, and I've, and I've been able to look back. It's like, Oh, you know, whether it's, whether it is putting SOPs in place or vetting clients or having that tough conversation with, with a, with an employee, a technician is like everything happened because of something you did or didn't do like bottom line it's your fault um and i think some people take that the wrong way but (laughs) uh, 100 yeah like well and that's the problem is is they're not they're not willing to admit their faults and you have to be willing to admit your faults if you want to grow and better yourself like we're all far from perfect and uh there ain't no perfect uh person out there and so if you're not willing to to look inward and realize that, then you're probably not willing to change and grow. Your ego's in the way. And that's scary, to be honest. But how many times have we seen it in the ASOC group or something else? And like, you know, somebody posts something and 
everybody says the same exact thing. And every single response you see that person respond to the comments is them justifying or arguing what those yeah. people are saying. And it's like, yeah, come on. Like it, when everybody in here saying it and you're trying to still argue, there's a common denominator here, my friend. And it ain't us. So uh, you want the you want the truth, or do you want to hear what you want to hear? <laughs> yeah, it's it, well, and that's the thing. We I'm in a Facebook group with some fr- friends, a messenger group, and we talk about it. Like, and, and I do this too. I'm, again, I, I don't. I always tell people like uh, this is all this stuff's for me as well. Um, we usually post things for validation for things we've already decided we're going to do, or we've decided in our mind we're not actually looking for help or looking for validation of our decision that we've already made oh, yeah, in our yeah. head. And that's not the way you should go about it. You shouldn't be looking for validation. You should truly be open-minded of, Hey, you know, how can I make this better? How can I, and not everybody does that, but it's, I feel like it's, it's in our nature to automatically want validation for everything. It makes us feel good. Yeah. Especially if you're on, it's like the, the old coinage of like, if you got to ask, you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you're just asking. You already know the answer. But yep. You're just hoping maybe, just maybe, there's somebody that's going to side with you, and you're like, okay, I know yep. it wasn't that bad, but by the time you're already asking on a, on a social media platform, you already know what the answer is. You yep. know, and like you said, you're just looking for someone to either agree or disagree with you. Whatever it is, you already got your mind made up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. Most, like, of the, most of the time, not every time, but yeah. Yeah, the mass majority, you're 100 percent right. Like, and it's. I don't know. Like I get rando comments on a lot of my social media posts, goofy stuff about, you know, something like I do a lot of tools and somebody will say something like, Oh, you know, that's a trash tool. And I'm like, Oh, well, how long did you own yours? Oh, well, I've never owned one. Like, well then how do you know it's a trash tool? Like you just, you, you've never even put one in your hand. Like what well, you just, just want to throw your opinion out there and it doesn't matter because you have no real life experience. Like, I don't know if people just like, like the internet has created a space where people can just say anything and everything, whatever they want. And there's no repercussions ever. Oh, absolutely. That's a, absolutely. You nailed that one on the head. Exactly what that is. It's just crazy. That, to that me. is exactly what's going on. And it's like the same when it goes into reviews and it's like every shop you can look, they got 55 star reviews. It's like, really? And so you just pay people to get reviews. And it used to be a big thing. You know, it was like, I wanted to have a good reputation. I wanted to get these five star reviews. And yep. now by the time I've actually got enough that I'm proud of, it's like, are they even that big of a deal anymore? Like who are these people that are putting reviews out anyway? Yep. And then who are the ones getting reviews at the other shops? And it's like you said with the same with the videos, like I've done a few, you know, reels that have kind of taken off. And it's like, the only reason why they take off is all the negative comments that go on them. It's like, yep. whatever, hate yep. away. I don't care. (laughs) I got paid. (laughs) That's right. Good. uh, What do they say? Uh, uh, All feedback or uh, all, what is it? I can't remember. All feedbacks, good feedback or all negative. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it is? I can't remember the exact saying. Um, Yeah, I know what you're doing. But yeah, (laughs) everybody will get it. Yeah. That's what happens when you're doing podcasts like this. You think of something and you can't actually say it. (laughs) Can't form a sentence. But yeah, it's it's wild, man. And I, I don't know. Like I always tell people, I'm like, uh, there's a lot of stuff I disagree with on the internet. I just scroll past it. Like I'm not yeah. on there commenting on every, there are some things I'll comment on every now and again, but most of the time I'm just scrolling past unless it's in the ASAW group. And I just like harassing shop owners in there because I, it's just, I don't know that some of the questions in there and some of the comments people make are just crazy to me. So, um, but I'm a challenger. That's my personality type. If you're familiar with, uh, 
personalities or Enneagram or anything. I'm an eight or a high D. So I automatically want to challenge everybody anyways, just to see if they believe in it enough to not back down. And so yeah. if, if they'll fight me back, like not fight me, but argue with me back and stand yeah. firm, then I'll respect them way more. If they just fall to the wayside, then I'm like, man, you know, they so wishy-washy that they don't believe anything. Essentially. That's, that's how my mind typically works. So I usually just like challenging people just to kind of see where they fall. That makes sense to, to for the rebuttals you're doing on your Instagram page because that's not something I was like I just like nope I don't even have the time <laughs> to, like I don't even care that you don't like the tool I don't even want to know why you don't like the tool like that's cool I'm glad yeah. you don't like it move on <laughs> yeah and I so, I've gotten better because I had the one guy that was leaving one star reviews on my page like every single weekend he was going on creating new Google accounts every weekend and leaving me one star reviews so he whoa. left like seven or eight one stars. And, um, and I've always known, like, I should just let comments go. Like it's, there's just like some innate thing built inside of me. Like when somebody is completely wrong about something, I feel like I have to just say something. And so I'm, I'm fighting that urge constantly and I'm, I'm getting better. I'm far from perfect. And there's, I feel like most people on the internet anyways are misunderstood. Like there's been several content creators that I've met in person that online they seem like a jerk. They're not a jerk. They're just because you get all that hate and stuff constantly, and you don't know until you start creating content, start putting yourself out there. Then you see like every video has hate, 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 hate. It starts to to whittle at you. And you're just like, man, these people are annoying. So then you feel like you want to say something back. So I'm yeah. getting better at not responding, but I'm still far from perfect. I think eventually I'll just get to the point where I never respond, and I'll just let people do their thing. Uh, Cause every single week it's like less and less and less and less. And so I don't know. So these, these are you talking about one star reviews for your shop? Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing people ask me a lot. Like should, should they do the shop as their, if they want to do social media, should they use the shop name? Like I still think so. Like in the moment when that guy was leaving me one star reviews, I was like, no, you definitely shouldn't do it. But I've gotten like four or five of his specifically removed already. And then before his, I've had like three or four removed. So I've had probably, I don't know, six to eight so one stars removed. Are you getting one star reviews based on your content, not on your work of the shop? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Just random wow. people on the internet. Yeah. So I've, I've, yeah. And I, I know it'll happen. Like I would, I feel like I could handle a one star review. I couldn't, I couldn't let that go. I would, I, anytime I get a one star review, I'm like, I fight that thing tooth and nail. Like yes. I cannot let that go. That's, that's <laughs> my thing. Like if it's from a client and I deserved it, it's one thing. Absolutely. Like, but I bend over backwards to make everybody happy as much as I humanly possibly can. And so these, all of my one-star reviews have all been from social media, every single one of them. So I've only got like three, I think left three or four. So I've been slowly getting them all removed. Uh, but yeah, just that. And like most of them, one of them was like, this guy would rather make douchey TikToks than fix your car, right? This guy loves snap on tools, blah, 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 blah. This guy would rather make videos, blah, blah, but he doesn't care about your car. Like just stupid stuff. You see a lot of comments like that. The guy that kept leaving me one-star reviews um, the most recently that kept creating different accounts, he first started just leaving one stars and not saying anything. Then he came up with this like elaborate story, like a, as if he was an actual customer. And then he kept doing that. And like, ma- like my mom came in here and he made her cry and like all this stuff. Like just wow. wild, man. I'm like, who that has time wild. 
to come up with a Google account. Like, he, you know, you have to make an email. You have to make your Google account every time. So he was going on. Not only was he going on creating new Google accounts, but then he'd log into all of them and like every single review. So every time he left a new review, he'd go back into all the other accounts and like his other <laughs> reviews. So they oh all had like God. seven thumbs up. Yeah. So, and it was like, at first... I responded, then he kept doing it. So then I didn't respond at all. I'm like, okay, well, obviously I'm, uh, this is egging him on to make more. So I'm just going to leave it. So for two weeks, I didn't respond at all. And he still kept leaving them. So finally I was like, screw this. So I posted them on social media. And this is the, the great part about building a community is my community went on there and reported a ton of them. And we got a bunch of them removed. And then they went on there and left like 10 or 15 reviews themselves, five stars, which almost negated his And so that was the really cool part about it. And it was awesome. I have probably one of the best communities. I feel like that's one of the greatest things like in about AS like training and stuff. It's like the community is great. Yeah. Yeah, Like we, we have such like, I feel like it's one of the coolest communities. We just don't, we, we underutilize it for sure. Because like we said, like you just get in this space where you're like, oh, it's me and and no one else is struggling with this. And this is how you do it. And, you know, just grind, grind, grind. It's hard to ask for help. And yeah. I'm not one to not ask for help. And it's, I mean, if I don't know when it comes to like transmission size stuff for me, like there's not a lot of people I can ask for help. So what if I find, and there's a group on Facebook I'm a part of, and it's, it's fantastic. I'll like, Hey, I got this issue and everyone's there to help me. Right. Yeah. And I don't really have an issue with that when it comes to the tech stuff. I learned that a long time ago. Like as I've learned to fix cars and repair stuff, like you got to ask. Like yeah. you got to ask and you learn and you ask the right questions. Don't be a dummy. Don't ask, yeah. Hey, what's a, Hey, I got a PO 171. What should I replace? Like that's yes. not the question you ask. So there yeah. is a stupid question you can ask. Right. But if you have an intelligent and you have data and you, you know, Hey, what, which way, why you can get a good answer. Yeah. I don't think we do that with shop ownership because we don't have that same grasp on it. Like how do I, what do I like? How much do I sell my parts for? Is like, what do you mean? How much do you sell your parts for? Is like, it's a stupid question, but it's the same thing. We're just, we're just ignorant to it, and yeah. we don't know. Like, well, where do you at now? Like, I don't know where I'm at now. I throw twenty bucks on every part. Is that right? Like, yeah. <laughs> is that is that good enough? Hey, I pay my tax x amount, and my shop labor rate is this amount. Is that enough? Like, I don't I can't even begin to tell you if that's enough. Like, you know. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just we're just so scared of being feeling stupid because we've asked those stupid questions when it came to car repair, you know? Yeah. I'm sure you've been lit up online. If you go on there and you're like, Hey, I got, I got this issue with this Honda. I can't figure out like, Hey, look, you little dummy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you exactly how to fix your car and make money. Like, and so we're so scared of that, you know, yeah. for me anyway, that's where I'm at. Like, and so I'm, you get better at it. You're like, you know yeah. what? Screw it. I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. <laughs> you kind of <laughs> have to, like, I feel like, and it's like we said from the beginning, like you don't know what you don't know. And there will be people in there willing to help you out. You just have to weed through all the sucky people. Yeah, that's um, true. Because I like, I constantly, anytime there's somebody in there who like I can relate to where they're either new, like in ASOG, either they're new or they're a small shop or it's similar to mine. Like, they're like, hey, like I'm a one person shop owner. What should I be doing? I'm like super passionate about that because I feel like there's not like when you go to training events and any sort of training, it's almost never geared towards one person shop owners. And it's wild to me because I know we're not like I'm not I don't want to stay as a one person shop. I want to grow and add on people. And I know that's the goal for a lot of the trainers and coaches and everything. But the training doesn't match that. 
and there's still so many one person shop owners. So there's just not a ton specifically geared towards people like us. So I'm always like first to jump on there and be like, yeah, hey, here's what I do. Here's where I went. Here's how I started. Here's what I've done. All that stuff. So I will absolutely go on there and help in in addition to me giving other shop owners crap. So I'm, yeah. I do, I do <laughs> actually love being helpful. That's that, that's interesting because that looking back, that is like how it feels. Like you don't have the funds, so you can't hire a coach. Yep. And then, like you said, everything is 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 geared towards. Okay, so what do your techs do? Like techs, I am the tech. Like, yep. yeah. I <laughs> mean, so you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what's your service advisor? How's he answer the phone? How she he she answer the phone? Like, I don't have a service advisor. Like, it's just me. You know. And so you feel alienated, and then that yep. just like put you back in that negative place. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? You know, and, and a lot of it is, um, uh, here's another word blank for you. Um, (laughs) imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and to say I own a business is just such a hard thing to wrap your mind around, but it's like the most important thing you have to wrap your mind around. I'm no longer just a, an auto technician fixing cars for money. Like I am a business owner and whether that is a one person shop or a multi shop owner with 30 employees, it's, it's really kind of the same thing mentally. Yeah. You have to, otherwise you won't get to that point, that point, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. You have to get yourself out of that mindset and, you know, had I not like I took one, I forget who it was. I'm pretty sure it was a Rick White class. It might have been a Cecil class. I don't remember. But anyways, like after the class was over, because they were talking about, impl- oh, no, it wasn't. I'm sorry. It was a Chris Cloutier class. Um, I, you know, they were talking about implementing all these things. And I said, listen, I said, I, I love all this stuff. I'm like, but I'm a one person shop owner. Like, I feel like I'm already stretched to the max as it is. I'm like, I feel like I can't implement any of these things. I don't even know at that time I had nothing to compare to. I had no numbers to compare to. I'm like, I, I told him, I'm like, I don't even know if my revenue a month is good. I don't know if it's bad. I don't know if it's good. I literally had no clue about anything. And so like he walked me through, asked me my numbers, and, like we kind of went through everything. And that was nerve wracking because you're doing that in front of everybody in the room, you know, talking about your numbers and everything. But it was it was freeing for me afterwards to be able to go through that and get some side-by-side comparisons. And it was great because I met another guy in that class um, that uh, he was like, man, he's like, I'm a one person shop owner too. And he's like, I didn't even realize you could even do those numbers as a one person shop. Cause he was doing like half of what I was doing. And I'm like, well, I said, wow. I put all these changes yep. in, but I had no idea. And we, we exchanged numbers and we still text to this day, just like, Hey man, how you doing? Where's your numbers at? Are you growing? And he's been growing ever since. And he's doing those numbers that I was doing back then now. And he didn't even think it was possible. That's so, so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, that's the coolest part about it. There's always someone doing better than you, but of course, yep. there's always someone doing worse than you. Mm-hmm. And on our journey to continually learn, I think that's been another eye-opening thing for me is like, there's still entry levels. There's still guys that are still in that rut that haven't learned the amount that we've all learned in the last years, five years, 10 years, however long it's been. And so there's still that refresher course we can take for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important. and it's hard too. Cause I, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing and I sit up here and talk like I do and I have, you know, and that gives you that imposter syndrome. Like what am I telling anybody what to do for, you know, like, and even still to this day, the texts come up and ask me in, in the middle of a diagnosis, like, what should I do next? Like, 
why are you asking me? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel that way all the time. Like, I feel like every time I do like videos on Instagram and stuff, like I always say, like, listen, you guys, I don't want you to think I'm like talking from some elevated area. I'm still learning this stuff every day. This is just the stuff that I've learned and made mistakes on. And the only reason I know it is because I've screwed it all up in the process to get here. And I'm still in like, so I try to, what helps me I found is like, when I make a mistake that I constantly preach about, I go against my SOPs and I'll, I'll post, I'll, I'll do a video. I'm like, Hey, I just screwed up and went against everything that I've been telling you guys not to do. And I'm just here to encourage you that it still happens to me and I still slip sometimes and I'm far from perfect. So just keep that in mind. Like, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't keep yourself down. Like just get back up and get back to it. You just learn, you, you learn and it's a learning experience every time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the biggest learning is being able to in the moment know that you screwed up. Yeah. Correct the course and then, and then go back to it. Right. Yep. And that's, that's like, the turning point of like moving forward, you know, <laughs> like it's, huge. and it's the same I mean, on, a, on a misdiagnosis on a vehicle. It's the same thing. Like oh, you're yeah. still going to get wrapped up in your head. You're still going to misdiagnose something, but you just got to go in there and say, look, I screwed up. You yep. know, I, I, I made the, I made the wrong call. Yep. You know, whoever the client, Hey, look, that, I was wrong. And, and I've even, I've done that before. Like, well, you said it was this. And like, I, I screwed up. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But, so we're not going to go that route anymore. We're going to go this route now and that'll fix your problem. And then of course it's like, well, are you sure? It's like, yes, I, I told you I made a mistake and now I'm going to redirect the course here and now we're on the right track. Yep. You know, and you just got to give them a little laugh. And usually it's like, just admitting that just establishes the trust. I feel like of oh, course, yeah. there's people, some people out there that are be like, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's doing, yeah. but <laughs> like, I'm going to fix I mean, it. It's going to leave fixed. You know? That's the key, right? Like as long as at the end of the day you fix their problem, like and you're right. Some people will think that, but yeah, I don't know. It's just I don't know, crazy people. I feel like, but yeah, like you can't get away from them. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Like, and those are the. It's funny because we wrap so much into those people, and they're so few. You know what I mean? The mass majority of people are understanding. They're nice. They care. You know, they they do want you to succeed and all of that. Like I would add too, like. Like when you make a mistake, I get just talked about this is in the early stages when you make mistakes, if you're not running your business appropriately and you don't have any money, it com- it compounds on top of making the mistake because you don't have the money to fix it either. Yeah. So it's just like this huge thing. So once you figure out how to run the business and understand and learn your numbers, and I will, again, preach, understand and learn your numbers forever. I'll never stop saying it because it was such a big eye-opening thing for me. And once you figure it out and understand where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to charge and you're making proper money to run your business, then you have money in the bank when you make a mistake. Like just recently, I was test driving a customer's car. Uh, it was like a 17 pilot, I think. And I was a, a trash truck was coming my way on the test drive. So I scooted over to the right. And I, I looked down on the road for some apparent reason because there was like some sort of, I don't know, divot or something. So I was like, man, I don't want to run into that. Like, I don't want to suck myself down off into the ditch. So I was focused on that and didn't see the mailbox and I clipped her mirror and it was the lane uh, watch mirror. And so yeah, destroyed the camera, destroyed the mirror. You know, that was a nice expensive uh, fix for me because I obviously bought her a new mirror. I had to go take it and get it aimed because I don't have the targets here yet. 
So I had to pay the dealership to aim it. So it was like over $600 for me to pay to get that fixed. But she was my first call. Called her and said, hey, you know, I'm just letting you know what happened. This is exactly what happened. I'm sorry. Don't worry. I'm going to pay for everything. You're not going to have to pay for anything. I will make sure it's all taken care of. And just explain the situation. And she was cool, thankfully. And like most people, like I said, the mass majority of people are going to be cool. There are going to be some sucky ones. You just got to push through those people, send them down yeah, the road. And, and, and the one thing, I mean, that, that kind of encapsulates all this is everyone's so afraid of making a mistake. Yeah. So afraid of it. And that's the most pivotal and the best learning experience because say making a mistake on a wrong diagnosis, it gets you real creative and really lights the fire on you. Like, okay, now if I don't get this thing fixed by the end of this night, like I'm really not making any money. So that really puts the pressure on. And for me, like I need that. I need the pressure. Let's do this. It's time to figure this out. You buy an expensive part you didn't need. Well, now you got to get creative and figure out how to get your money back. Right. Or reuse it for another vehicle or say, hey, how do I market to get another vehicle in here so I can sell this part to that? Like it just gets you going to the point where you can get creative in those situations and then also gets you trained to learn how to deal with that. Like, oh my God, I just wrecked this mirror. I mean, I've had a, uh, an employee wreck. Uh, it was an F-150. We put a brand new transmission in it, rebuilt the whole front end, rebuilt the rear end. I mean, this is like a $9,000 ticket. This is a big job. Wow. He takes it on test drive. And he, ha- it was a bunch. He looks down to move some stuff off the floorboard, which he should have done when he got in. Anyway, as he's looking out, he looks up, and the car in front of him is coming towards him. Oh. Front end collision totals the truck, like completely, oh, a, like totaled. It's not like oh, maybe we'll put a radiator in a bumper. It's like no, no, no. He was going downhill. They were coming up. He swerved in the oncoming lane and totaled it. So oh, no. yeah, we were at fault. We had a nine thousand dollar ticket on the online and we just totaled this guy's truck and it was his dad's truck. Like he was rebuilding his dad's truck. Right. And it was just like, and I'm like a year into owning the shop, you know, I'm still making payments on the shop. It's like, what do I do right now? And it was like the, and he gives, I get the phone call like, Hey, I just totaled the truck. I'm like, I'll be there in a minute. And I get up there and it's like a freaking bomb went off in the middle of the road. It was like, Oh my God. And he's, you know, I've got my shirt on. He's got the shop shirt on. People are driving by. This is a small hometown. It's like, Oh, this is like exactly what I need. The first year owning a business, you know? And I'm like, oh, and I, the first thing I said, what do I do? I was like, well, first thing I need to do is call, call the owner. That's what I need to do right now. Like I, there's no book you can open to tell you what to do. Like I, I'm going to call him. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, he might as well get out know, of the way. Someone's going to know his truck and see it, so I got to call him before anybody else does. So yep. yeah, the first thing is call him, and he's like, "Oh man, is everybody okay?" And I was like, and when he asked me if everyone's okay, I was like, "Oh wow, like this is bigger than just yeah. a bunch of stuff that can be replaced by money," you know? Yep, yep. And, I, and that's the thing: yeah. if you don't have the money, that's that's where that problem comes into the play. It's crazy, yeah. man. And I had a good insurance. Our insurance covered everything, you know, yeah, that's awesome. and he ended up taking the insurance and actually paid us for our time and our work. So he paid the bill oh, and wow. got his money for the truck. So it all worked out in the end. But at the beginning, it's like, man, what do I do right now? Yeah. But now if that were to happen today, it's like, I know what to do. Yeah. I'm not like yeah. rattled by it. I'm like, well, that's part of business. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to make some phone calls. My insurance is going to cover it. And I'm just grateful that everyone is okay because at the time i'm thinking what about me what about Mm -hmm. my business what about my appearance what about i what about me right and i didn't even like think about like the people that could have been hurt you know and it's like so yeah and it's it's such a better place to be like okay all that stuff will be taken care of is everybody okay you know yeah yeah the what what actually matters and that 
I always right. say like, it's not if a business makes a mistake, but when the difference maker is how they handle the mistake. That's right. what tells you the difference between businesses because we're all, ain't nobody ever not, ain't nobody going to be perfect. We're all going to make mistakes no matter what it is, whether it's wrecking a car, hitting a mirror, you know, whatever, something simple or double charging somebody on a credit card machine or something, you know, the, the most mundane, simple things that don't matter. You're going to make a mistake at some point. How are you going to handle it and how are you going to fix it? to differentiate yourself from everyone else? Are you going to yep. make it an inconvenience and, and get angry at yourself, which then portrays to the client. So then they think you're angry at them at your own mistake, or are yeah. you going to just, you know what I mean? Cause that's what happens sometimes. Cause we're so stressed out because we don't have the money in the bank. We've been running the business wrong. We thought we were making money and we're not. Now we just blew up this engine or whatever it may be. And it turns into this whole big thing. And then it, it yeah. So just, calm down. That's, that's yeah, the step, key, step one is calm down. And that's, yeah. and that's what teaches you when people come in and they're irate and they're in a bad place because their uh -huh. car just broke down and you're like, what did I do wrong? Why is this? And that was my biggest problem. And like the first, even till now, like they come in irate and my first thought is like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. But I've, I've been through enough to the point where I, I realized like, no, 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 I've got good people here. We have good systems in place. Like we are keeping stuff on par. If this person's irate or upset, this is their problem. Yep. It's nothing I did. And even if it was, there's no reason to get upset about it. It's just yeah. a car. You know what I yep. mean? Like, what are you upset about? And so the step one is like, I walk in there like, okay, before you keep yelling, how much is it going to take for you to walk away? And they're like, what? I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, how do we, how do we resolve this? So I don't spend any more time. Cause I'm not going to get yelled at anymore today. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. So what do you need to leave? That's, that's where we're at right now. I'm not conversating with you. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those times, those, a lot of those people can't be recent with, you know, again, because right. they're basing everything off emotion you, and you don't ever know what somebody has going on in their life and they're projecting it typically on everybody else. And so it's not worth it. And you definitely can't take it personal, which is hard. Like it's hard not to take it personal. I just talked about this in the mastermind group is like, I had a client, she brought her vehicle to me. I priced it out. And I, I forgot, I shouldn't forget this, but my estimates don't break down parts and labor. It's a total job cost. So here in Ohio, we don't have to break everything down. And so it's just total job cost. So she kept asking me what the breakdown was, but she was asking me in a way I didn't understand. Well, her dad used to be a mechanic for like 30 years or something. So he ends up calling me and like your first instinct is to be on the defensive. Like now I have to defend myself to this mechanic for 30 years. But I, I calm, uh, like before I got, you know, elevated, I'm like, it just, he knows he's been in the business and like, he's like, well, how much is the exhaust? That's what they were trying to figure out is how much I was charging for the exhaust. And I told him, and he was like, oh, well, just so you know, you can buy that exhaust on Amazon for a hundred bucks. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I said, but I'm not buying it from Amazon. And I said, I'm not warranting it on Amazon. And Amazon's not giving you a three year, 36,000 mile warranty. He's like, oh yeah. And I said, you, I said, you understand, right? I said, you've been in the business for or had been in the business for 30 years. I'm like, you know, we have our markup as margins. He's like, oh yeah, I know. He said, I was just um, letting you know. I know he wasn't <laughs> letting me know. I understand, right. but I don't think he expected that to be my response. And I just basically flipped it onto him because I was able to stay calm. Like at first I, I 
elevated. I'm like, all right, just relax. Like you're not doing anything wrong. You're making money. You're running a business. But that is our first instinct. I feel like in a lot of, and in the beginning of the business, that was horrible for me. That's why I actually, uh, I, I don't know if you saw that video, but the, uh, the video of, from the guy, the Matt, the guy that I'm paying for, uh, ASTE his training that when I saw his video, like that's how it was so much for me early on in the business. And like, I didn't, I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah. He, he, he was at like a customer's house and the, like he was there to do something else and that he had done a radiator fan in another car previously. And it was only 70 bucks, which was cheap as it was, but then he was doing an all trainer on a Toyota Camry and the guy, the customer was like, well, you put this radiator fan and that was way harder than this alternator for 70 bucks. So shouldn't this be less? And like me, in my mind, like in the early stages of my business, I would have, I would have automatically been on the defensive and been like, well, you know, I got to pay the bills and like just said stupid stuff that would have never, it would have turned into a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And so after watching that video, I'm like, man, I'm like, I can so relate. He didn't get irate. Like he's seems like a super laid back dude, but he charged him less since I don't know what he ended up charging him, but he basically agreed with the customer and charged him whatever he was charging him, which was already cheap to begin with. And I was like, man, but I can relate to that because I know what that's like in the beginning of the business. You don't know how to talk to people and show them the value of what you're providing. And so, um, that's why because i i needed that and i had no idea now i've learned i've just gotten better and better and better and still learning every day that's why i continue to go to the training because i know i still have a lot to learn and a lot to grow because i'm far from perfect as we've been talking about through this whole time yeah that's and it, and it starts out as you not knowing anything we all start right. from not knowing anything and so you start billing out clients owning the shop and they start calling you out on your price and you're like, yeah, you're right. I don't really don't know anything. And yeah. it's like, we don't want to end up as that dude smoking a cigarette, you know, all mad ripping people off. Like, I don't want to think this guy's thinks I'm ripping them off. And then yeah. you just do this quick calculation in your mind. You're like, yeah, I guess I, I could lower that if that makes him happy. And, it's yep. just, and as long as the client's happy, then everybody's good. And you, and you totally forget to put the equation of like your quality service into play, you know? Yeah. And maybe it does take a few years for you to build enough confidence to know that you're worth. But I think anybody in this field that can has the 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 gauntlet to open a shop and start working on cars, dude, you have the quality behind you to charge what you need to charge. If you just put out that kind of financial uh, leverage on yourself and you're going to put that much responsibility on your shoulders, you're worth it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. even, even if you're a mobile guy, open a shop, whatever you're working at a dealership, you're working at a, a independent shop. Like if you show up to work every day when you're supposed to, and you got all the tools required to get the job done and you're willing to take on that job and fix and, and see it to the end, dude, you're worth whatever you think you need to be, to be charging or to be paid, you know? Yeah. And that's how I tell my guys too. like, dude, the more training you do, the more tools you get, like let's always sit down and chat. Let's always talk about what you need to be compensated for. Of course, within reason, right? We all want to make, you know, a million dollars a year. Right. But like within yep. reason, like let, let's talk about it. Like I'm, if you ever ask me for a raise, it's never going to be no. It's always gonna be like, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about yep. what you want to get. And let's talk about how to get there. Cause yep. that's, that's how I wanted. And I never had that. I, I got paid 
checks that I had to wait two weeks to cash. Like, hey, don't cash this on Friday. Like, what do you mean don't cash it? I got to pay rent. Yeah, it's not going to clear till next Friday. Like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know? And it's like, and I still went to work on Monday. Like, I still showed up eight o'clock on Monday and like, let's, let's keep going. Like, obviously you need more money. So let's fix more cars. And that was just my mindset. Like, just keep just keep pushing against the grain until hopefully it lays down the other way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it never did. But, you know, it's like you just got to have that tenacity to keep going after it. And I think if you ha- in this industry and you have that, then you need to be compensated for it, you know? Absolutely. All that was yeah. extremely well said. I mean, and 100% they're worth it. And honestly, I feel like a lot of times, like we think, you know, we're worth a certain amount and it's almost always more. You're almost always worth more than what you think you are. It's just getting there, getting that confidence built up to know that you are because yeah, I think that's the thing. We're so terrified of somebody going online and saying, oh, this shop's a ripoff or, oh, you know, they charged me this and the part only costs you that. It, cooler heads prevail. You respond with a professional response and let people know like everybody, everywhere you go, everybody's making money on the product that they're selling you. Apple doesn't sell all of the parts inside of their iPhones at cost they're making money at all of the you know what i mean like just people just don't know they have no idea and for some apparent reason because you can buy all the parts for your car over the counter pretty much people just assume that that's what it should cost and they have no idea what it goes into actually running a business and paying overhead and payroll tax you know all the stuff so i I absolutely i still personally have the issue with giving my time away. I mean, even though I talk about it and it's, and it's easier with technicians because I know their worth. I know how hard it took and how much I had to learn to one, get them in the door and then to two, keep them here and like have a positive culture and like, and like do the things I need to do to be a good leader and a good boss. Right. Yeah. And so I don't let their time is not free. No way. Like anything they do, I make sure it goes on and I tell them like sometimes they'll do a little extra thing here. Hey, I saw this was loose. So I tighten it or hey, this was leaking. So I clean it up. I'm like, did you write it down on the tech sheet? Did you did you let the office know? No, you need to do that. Everything you see and that you want to put your hands on is worth money. And not for yep. me, but for you, because I pay you guys productivity bonuses. So anything you do, we need to know about it so we can charge the client. And not to say like, I'm going to like squeeze every penny at every customer that comes through the door. Right. But it's like, I want to know exactly what you're doing all day so I can compensate you. I'll take yep. it off the client's bill, but I want to make sure you're paid for it. Like yep. 100%. And my issue is I'll come to a tough diag or, or a repair that's gone sideways. And it's like, well, I'll just step in and do it myself, you know? But I'd rather me eat it than them eat it. Like I'm not having them right. pull, go out and take care of something real quick when I can go do it myself. And if yeah. I, and, and if the shop's not going to make money on it, I'll just go do it myself. And that's yeah. probably my problem right now that I got to work on. <laughs> well, and but I it's think- easier that and it's easier that way. And it's easy to see the numbers and say, okay, so I need to charge this much because that's what pays him that much. I yeah. can't do that with myself. Like if I looked at myself, it's like, well. <laughs> I could probably survive on this much. So we'll just charge that, you know, like yeah. uh, it's, it's tough. I think part of it on the tech side is most techs are not because most bosses, most owners are not that way. Unfortunately, they're so used to being taken advantage of and doing all that stuff for free and never getting paid for it. And it just expecting it. I know that's how it was for me. Most of my career um, more at the dealership than anywhere else. And, Again, I, I always have to say this. I'm not against dealerships. I'm not against flat rate. I worked flat rate. I made a ton of money on flat rate. 
but it does create a greedy type of mindset and you are expected to do a ton of things for free at a lot of dealerships, especially in my experience. And so that's probably, you know, the mindset of a lot of techs is like, oh, well, you know, uh, the advisor is always saying like, oh, I'll get you on the next one. I'll get you on the next one. Or, oh, hey, can you take care of this for me or whatever? And you don't get paid for it. Or, you know, I only got a half hour diag on that car instead of an hour. Like that, that was the story of my life for seven years. So it, it can be hard to get out of that for sure. Yeah. The next one never comes. Never comes. Never, ever comes. <laughs> and it's always, there's always a more next ones. Oh, I'll get you yeah. on the next one. And there's always another problem car. So yeah, it's frustrating for sure. If, if you're in a place like that, I mean, that's why I left that world and started my own. I got so frustrated and it was not a good way to start a business, but thankfully I've been able to, <laughs> to make it work up, so. up, up, up from there. Um. Yep. Absolutely. Well, cool, man. This has been, uh, this has been good. This has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great. I was kind of worried because not, we haven't, I, I was like, this is going to be interesting because we don't know each other. So yeah. it was just a little different and it worked out great. So you just <laughs> no, never know. Cause I've, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, what's that? I was just going to say, cause I've recorded with Jeff. I've recorded with Lucas and David several times and I recorded with Brian and Kim and I know all of them on some sort of level. So, and I've only seen you on, on Facebook. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like where you are. I, I didn't know this whole group, this whole like, and I, I've been doing a radio show here locally in town. Oh, cool. So I'm, I'm on an AM station. So I do a gearhead radio and I've been doing that for a couple of years. And uh, we do a magazine article in our in our monthly uh, magazine for the, oh, cool. the two local cities. So my wife writes that up every month. And so we've been pushing and, and we've been trying to do uh, industry nights. So once a month, we'll pull all the shops from the area together and have a little get together. Oh, cool. And that's awesome. So, We've been doing that for a while, but this is all new, like the Facebook group and the ASOG. Like, I'm this is new for me this year. And oh, wow. I, opened the, I opened up in 2017 is when I bought the shop. Okay. So I was definitely on my own island for a very long time. And I'm like, yeah, no doubt. Whoa, this is like awesome, dude. Like, everybody's on, on the same page, like, right on. So yep. I'm trying to get out there, but of course, you know, we're all busy. So it's hard to, you yep. know, but I'm, I'm looking forward to next week for sure. Oh, it's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be very, nice to I, like meet everybody and like, <laughs> yes, it's actually meet wild. everybody. <laughs> yep, yeah. Actually get to see them in person and talk to them. And it ends up just being a, a week full of like war stories and just, you know, normal stuff. It's so fun. I, I always enjoy it every year. Nice. Like I, I AST is the one event I won't miss. So it's definitely Exciting. my favorite. Yep. Well, absolutely. Cool, I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. You I, know as well, I know it's getting late over there, so I'll let you get going. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate the <laughs> the time. I appreciate you having me on. So it was, it was a great right chat. On, cool. I and then uh, what's that? I was just going to say, I'll stay on because David always tells me if I don't stay on, you have to make sure this like actually uploads. Yeah, exactly. That's my so. first time. So Lucas is like, just make sure he doesn't clo- log out too soon. I'm like, yep. all right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Not my oh, first rodeo. So I'm like, <laughs> I'll make sure that I don't log out because I know it has to upload or whatever. Right. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Awesome, man. Yep. Have a great night. You too. Bye. See ya.